Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. I'm Jonathan Capehart, and welcome to Capehart. Bass Reeves was the first black deputy U.S. Marshal west of the Mississippi River. Today, he is the subject of Lawmen Bass Reeves, the most-watched series premiere on Paramount Plus in 2023. The star of the series is the main driver for getting the project on the air. I'm talking about David Oyelowo. Because of his role in Lawmen Bass Reeves, Oyelowo has been nominated for a Screen Actors Guild Award for Outstanding Performance by a Male Actor in a Television Movie or Limited Series, and he had been nominated for Best Actor in a Limited Series at the Golden Globes. In this conversation, first recorded for Washington Post Live on January 10th, Oyelowo talks about how he first heard about Bass Reeves, what it was like to work with his wife in a part weighted with personal and historic significance, and why it was important to him to get Bass Reeves' story on the screen. We are very cognizant, we're very aware of the power of history, how it's told, how it's taught, how it's shown, how it's seen, because it is a reflection not only of who we were, but who we valued and who we value. And, and, and it's about power. If you have the representation of that black man on that white horse, as I insisted we must have in all the marketing, because that was the image I wanted to gift my six-year-old self, um, if we can agree that there is something potent about that imagery, something powerful about that imagery, then we also have to accept that there is a reason why it is kept from us. You know, I, I read that it took eight years to bring lawmen Bass Reeves uh, together to get it on screen. Why were you so passionate about sharing his story? Uh, because I was a kid who had loved Westerns um, uh, when, when I was of, of that age. And uh, I had run around playing cowboys as a kid. And uh, later in life, I became aware of some of the problematic representations when it came to cowboys and Indians, which is the nature of the game that we were actually playing as kids. And uh, I, I, I slightly fell out of love with, with Westerns, if I'm, if I'm totally honest, the vilification of Indians in the, in the midst of those movies and in playing that game as, as a kid. And, uh, and then uh, in 2014, I was presented with the uh, proposition of playing Bass Reeves. Um, and was just completely blown away by the fact that as a fan of the genre, as someone who clearly was looking for a representation of himself within this genre uh, when I was younger, someone like Bass Reeves existed. I didn't know about him. There had been no film about him. There, had, there, there was just nothing commensurate with um, what I was reading uh, of the achievements um, he had uh, uh, at that time and within a genre that um, is so beloved. And so that, that's where the obsession to right that wrong began. Mm -hmm. um, and in my reading, so you, he was brought to your attention in 2014. And you also had a very interesting, uh, another interesting comment. You said, if he was white, there would be monuments, there would be multiple movies, there would be graphic novels. 
everyone would be dressed up as him for Halloween. Um, talk more about why you don't think um, someone who clearly fits uh, in the Western genre, what, what's, what was celebrated in movies and what you uh, tried to emulate as a kid, never reached, never reached that height, that level. Well, I, you know, I think it's pretty, it's pretty obvious. The only thing distinguishing him from Wyatt Earp or Billy the Kid was the color of his skin. Um, and I think by now we are, especially in the world we live in today, we are very cognizant, we're very aware of the power of history, how it's told, how it's taught, how it's shown, how it's seen, because it is a reflection not only of who we were, but who we valued and who we value. And, and, and it's about power. If you have the representation of that black man on that white horse, as I insisted we must have in all the marketing, because that was the image I wanted to gift my six-year-old self. Um, if we can agree that there is something potent about that imagery, something powerful about that imagery, then we also have to accept that there is a reason why it is kept from us to the degree that it had been in relation to, to someone like Bass Reeves and several other stories of this nature when it comes to these transcendent individuals who very much had a hand in building not only this country, but the civilization we now live in. Well, let's talk more about Bass Reeves, the man. He was known to be a highly skilled marksman who arrested more than 3,000 outlaws. The show is full of gunslinging action, but you also capture Bass's moral conflict, whether he is a lawman or an outlaw. Talk to me about, about his internal struggles and why it was important to, to show them. Well, if you think about just how Jekyll and Hyde, your mind must uh, be, be steeped into when you are someone who is enslaved for all of your life, your ancestors have been enslaved. You have dealt with brutality, marginalization, and uh, uh, the kind of undervaluing and undermining that is reserved for farm animals um, uh, uh, as a person. And then the Civil War comes along, um, Black people are declared free from slavery. And within not too long after that, you are empowered to not only be a lawman, but to bring to justice people the likes of whom still think of you as chattel, people who still want to go back to the way slavery uh, uh, was and, and how it treated people. So you have, as you see in our show, as played by Shea Wiggum, beautifully by Shea Wiggum, um, Bass Reeves enslaver, is, is representative of a certain demographic that is, is synonymous with brutality. Then, not long after being freed, Bass Reeves is confronted by a character as played by Donald Sutherland, another white man in a position of power who is empowering him to go and be a purveyor of justice. What does justice mean in America at that time when, when it was the law, it was permissible to treat human beings the way they were treated during slavery? And now the same system is saying to a black man, go and be an enforcer of the law as we see it. That's very confusing because what does that law look like? I have been on the wrong side of the unfairness of these laws and now 
I am supposed to be a purveyor of justice. So these gray these gray areas are what I was very interested in in exploring. Thankfully, Chad Feehan, our showrunner, agreed with that notion. And to see it through the eyes of this man who's also just <laughs> doing one of the most dangerous jobs imaginable and just trying to get back to his family every time he's out there, that's a character worth playing. That's a terrain worth exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, after escaping slavery, Bass returns to rescue his wife, Jenny. Uh, We have a clip, and I want to talk about it on the other side. That's a nice gray outside. It's hard to miss it from the house. Mistress Rachel? I said you'd be back. George wouldn't believe it, but I knew. I knew all along. Welcome home. I don't want no trouble. Have no fear, Bass. George isn't around. And even if he was, you already beat the spit and spite out of him. No. My husband's got his mind set on politics. Fancies himself a legislator. As if that will allow him to reclaim the things that were taken from us. The things are the people. We hold on something fierce to what we love, don't we? Where'd Jenny go? Okay, so David, we've got to talk about something I did not know when I saw when I watched that scene uh, last week. Um, the actress playing Miss Rachel in that scene, it, uh, who plays the wife of Bass's uh, former master, is your actual wife, uh, your wife Jessica. What was it like for both of you to take these roles, and what conversations did you have? Uh, about the dynamic between these two characters in the time in which they existed. Yeah, it, it, one of the weirdest scenes I've ever had to uh, <laughs> perform in my in my life. That is indeed my wife, Jessica, uh, my wife of 25 years. Um, we have both produced the show uh, and uh, the themes within the show. Um, the nature of it is uh, is something very near and dear to us when it comes to the kind of things we want to make at our company here at Europe of Saxon. Um, but yeah, it was it was super weird. Not only in the macro, but in the micro. On the day, not really feeling comfortable being in each other's uh, 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 company. This is my best friend in the world. This is the person who knows me, and I know the best more than anyone. And um, it. It became what what became incredibly present, potent, and real was how crazy racism is, mm. because 
150 years from where we are now, going back in history, that would be the dynamic between someone like me and someone like her in that confined environment. It is probably the most fearful you see Bass Reeves in the entire show. Yeah. Because we know that the, the legacy of the claim of rape, we know the legacy of the claim or the mindset and the, the objectification and the sexualization of the black male body and how threatened uh, um, uh, white men, white society um, uh, felt about that certainly then and even now. Um, and so to play that felt um, very necessary, but also very weird. And I was also filled with relief that in 2023, when we were shooting that, and, and now in 2024, I can uh, be married to my wife and be in that proximity with my wife, even in Texas uh, or Arkansas, oh, wow. where these uh, 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 where these events played out, uh, without feeling. I mean, Bass couldn't look her in the eye. That was he regressed right back to enslavement in that moment because to look someone in the eye, in and of itself, was was dangerous at that time. So. Um, very weird. Um, our kids still haven't seen that scene with good reason, <laughs> because I think it would just be too weird for them. But um, but but yeah, yeah, she has she has cried off playing any role of that nature again going forward. It, it cost her quite a bit, actually. Oh, wow. Could you could you talk more about that? Because I did. That was one of the more one of the most powerful scenes in the series. I mean, not only do you not look her in the eye, but what what sort of caught my attention or sort of took my breath away was just, you could feel the tension in that scene. You not only look away, but you take a step back. I mean, the fear, um, like you bring us right there uh, in that scene. So it's great to hear from you how it felt, and you use the word weird many times. What does Jessica say? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it escalates because by the end of the show, she is someone who um, is so steeped in this supremacist mindset that despite all of the achievements of the Reeves family, later in the show, she still thinks that it is a generosity and a gift to them for them to return to servitude to the Reeves family. Um, you know, so it hints at what actually did happen in this country, the reasons why Jim Crow happened, the reasons why sharecropping became so pervasive. There was this deep desire uh, by these people who felt that they had been hard done by in the wake of slavery ending to wind things back. So she ends up saying unconscionable things, doing unconscionable things. Um, but the, the reality is, as producers of this show, as people who wanted to tell this show, we know that it's actually an act of generosity to not only show the light, but the real darkness of this time. And in, in many ways, it takes someone who recognizes, like Shea Wiggum as well, who plays George Reeves, um, Jessica's wife, uh, Jessica's husband, sorry, in the show, they both did a very brave thing because they play despicable characters who do despicable things and they played it to the hilt. And that's the only way you, 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 the, the light is 
is defined in many ways by how dark things get. And so I'm, I'm very grateful to them both for, 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 for doing that. Now, you mentioned uh, a moment ago Yoruba Saxon, and that is the name of the production company you and your wife, Jessica, uh, have. First, explain the origin of the company's name. And, and second, talk about its mission in terms of storytelling. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm of the Yoruba tribe in Nigeria. Um, my wife, as you just saw, is Anglo-Saxon, um, and uh, so that's where Yoruba Saxon comes from. And so, you know, our our union is something that is very very meaningful to us, obviously as a married couple. But also, the bringing of people together um, is something that we are. Uh, are very focused on um, in life and, and in our company. And one of our mottos at Yoruba Saxon is, is the normalization of the marginalized, normalize the marginalized. And, 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 and in order to do that, you have to show uh, people who normally, when it comes to television and film, are on the periphery, are, are on the fringes, uh, center them in a way that feels relatable to everyone so that you can break down prejudice. We are a couple who, depending on where we are on the planet, we face prejudice. We we, pay, we face pushback to us being an interracial couple. It's something we celebrate in our marriage, in our kids, in our work. And, um, you know, as reflected in our work and our company is, is the celebration of us being more alike than we are different um, as, in terms of humanity. And, and that's a big tenet of the company. You know, uh, David, I have a, a question from uh, Carrie in Massachusetts. And Carrie asks, as the backlash against racial equity grows in strength in the arena of politics, commerce, and education, do you see a weakening of commitment in the entertainment and media industries in either their enthusiasm for featuring story, stories that tell unrepresented histories or their hiring, casting, or general operations, will Hollywood back away from DEI either in production or operations? Uh, it's, a it's a phenomenal question. And uh, the short answer is, I do feel a regression. I feel a regression from the moment that the, the, the cultural reckoning that was uh, uh, the moment after George Floyd's murder, um, there were many policies, many promises made within the entertainment industry and beyond. Some of them were, were kept for a time, and some of them weren't kept at all, and a lot of them are regressing. Uh, I think there is some notion that the further in the rear view that moment in time becomes, the less culpable uh, we are as a society, and certainly within my industry, to um, adhere to the things we recognized as inequities because we had this moment during COVID where we went, no, no, no. We've been telling you for ages that we are being murdered like this literally and economically and politically and uh, in terms of our history daily. And I think because it was COVID, people had just enough space um, because they were benched, so to speak, to take in that information. Um, and therefore, there were, uh, um, uh, like I say, policies and promises enacted that I do feel uh, are feeling less potent. You know, I, I, I do question whether um, uh, more shows like Bass Reeves would be greenlit now 
further away from that moment. And I, I see parallels with the reconstruction era within which our show is set. That was also a time where policies and promises were made in the wake of the Civil War. Um, and there were this, this 12 to 13 year period called reconstruction that was then followed by Jim Crow, which also was a time of winding things back in the in the hope of going back to the way things were in order for those who were in the positions of power, those who felt more comfortable being supreme to re-enter that place indisputably. Equity is something whereby we're all sharing. Uh, unfortunately, humanity seems intent on being the apex predator. And I do think that is something that um, is encroaching uh, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Let me um, get you to um, talk about something you said to Entertainment Re Weekly regarding the process of getting um, lawman Bass Reeves on screen. You said, and I quote, the question is, is there any audience for a black historical protagonist? I don't know how many times we have to prove as people of color that we are the global majority and people will embrace it, that it's still a thing. You are also the co-founder of the streaming service Monza. Um, is the reason why you co-founded the, the Monza is part of a way of dispelling this notion that there's no audience for Black-led stories? Well, Mansa exists partly because streaming has come along and democratized the conversation and the audience, and it proves through data that we have been being lied to for decades, probably over a century now, if you think about uh, uh, the, the the creation of the moving image. Um, uh, for, for a long time, you had gatekeepers, curators of culture, primarily white men, who were dictating what it is globally we get to see. Certainly in America, Western Europe, um, and, and that and that that is a good portion of what the uh, the, the the global audience is imbibing, and they are pushing. Uh, these things they're green lighting, these things that they value through their filter of what has value of what the audience wants to see. And it is very much a reflection of them. And streaming has come along and shown that <laughs> foreign language series and films are outperforming um, other content that they would traditionally value. And so at the end of the day, Hollywood is driven by money. And that data, it's its also probably one of the reasons why they hide the data as well, because it <laughs> reveals that we've been, we've been being lied to for a long time. But the, the cat is out of the bag. And so you now have the possibility to have a streaming platform uh, like Mansa that uh, is, is Black culture for a global audience. And it will get funded because you now have proof points that there is a global majority that is very engaged with this content and wants to see more of it. Well, that gets to, uh, you may have already answered this question, which came in from Michelle from uh, New Jersey, who asked in developing Mansa, do you foresee the streaming aggregate as a place to distribute films you wish to make that don't fly financially or otherwise in typical Hollywood circles? One hundred percent uh because as black people what we have always had is excellence we have always had creativity we have always actually been the drivers 
of culture, but generally speaking, we don't own the pipes through which our culture is distributed. We don't have the distribution mechanisms. We don't own newspapers. We don't own studios. We don't own uh, 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 distribution platforms. Um, and so we are always taking what we make and it's having to be pushed through the filter and the prejudice and, and, and the value system of people who don't necessarily look like us. And no one's gonna treat your kid like you will. No one's gonna treat your home like you will. And so therefore, when it's yours, you are allowed to disseminate what you value. And so the idea with Mansa is absolutely, you know, we're starting with taking a lot of undervalued content, aggregating it, curating it, and giving it to an audience who is imbibing it like like drink to the thirsty and then as we grow the idea is to continue to super serve that audience with the things that traditionally get uh, uh, either marginalized or, um, or, or or exoticized so you will get one film a year that is the film it's the film that is celebrated by the Oscars. It's celebrated. And then there is a massive iceberg underneath it of things that are just as valuable. But we've also been told this lie of there can only be, be one. There's Sidney Poitier, there's Barack Obama, there's Denzel. Actually, there is, there is an aggregation of excellence that is to be enjoyed. And for me, I want to take the, the me out of it and really celebrate the we. And, and that's what, what Mansa is, is also an opportunity for. You know where there's also an aggregation of excellence, David? On your t-shirt. Aha, yes. Julie, yes. Casey, Casey, Gina, and Ava, um, yes. all black women directors, if, my, if I'm looking at that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Julie Dash, Casey Lemons, Gina Prince, Brightwood, Ava DuVernay. Yes, some of my favorites. Um, I, I'm just going to tell the control room we're we're going to go a little over because I have to get in these two questions before we run out of time and we have less than five minutes. Um, you've played many notable figures, Muddy Waters, Martin Luther King, Seretsi, uh, Kama. What draws you to um, play what you've called inspirational figures who exemplify excellence? Um, because I just think we're transcendent uh, as Black people. You know, I, I've I've lived on the African continent for a number of years. I've, I've lived in Europe for a number of years. I've now lived in America for 17 years. And still, I don't see enough of a representation of just how much we've contributed, just how amazing we are, just how amazing the African continent is, just how much we have shaped the world we live in. And so... Um, you know, if I were a white actor, I'd probably just play whatever I want with great directors and 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 just have as eclectic a, a career as I'd as I'd like to have, and anyone should have. But for me, I I have tasked myself with creating opportunities and creating opportunities for myself as a as a producer, uh, uh, which parlays into me being an actor of seeing the things that I want to be. I want my kids to be. I want our communities to see, and um, you know, thankfully, I, I've I've been given um, enough advocacy, enough notoriety, enough blessing to be able to do that. And so, it's just very important to me. You know, there are things that exist now that didn't exist when I was younger, and I've been blessed enough to have a hand in creating some of those things. Like I also didn't understand why 
50 years after Dr. King had been assassinated, we still hadn't had a film centering him. I didn't understand why, um, considering I'm from a royal family in Nigeria, I'd never seen that on screen. So that's why I wanted to tell the story of Soretze Kama, who was a prince who went on to be the first democratically elected leader of Botswana. I'd never seen um, a, a young chess playing protege out of a slum in Uganda. Um, I made that film as an ode to my daughter, showing her what she can be as a little black girl. These are images, as I say, I didn't see growing up. And Bass Reeves is one of those as well. Um, yeah, I'm going to ask these two questions because we're going way over. You, you, I've just <laughs> shown, I've, I've mentioned the three super serious, heavy um, characters you have played in film. But now you've got two comedies that are set to premiere um, this weekend, The Book of Clarence, where you play John the Baptist and role play where you star as a husband who's unaware that his wife is an assassin. Um, <laughs> what caught your eye about these comedic roles? Was this a way to add to the eclecticism of your career or to stretch your legs? Both, you know, uh, people see me more as a serious actor, partly because of some of these projects we've talked about. There's a real goofy side of me uh, uh, as well. You want to keep ringing the changes. You want to keep showing different sides of yourself. But contextualizing the black experience is the entirety of the black experience. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not just the historical, more heavy uh, um, stuff. We are also um, uh, husbands. We are also uh, uh, we were there in biblical times, whether people care to admit it or not. Uh, um, and, and so these are, yes, they're more fun, but they are, they are also opportunities just to show uh, the multifaceted nature of us and in, in, in some ways of me as well. Um, the, the, the name of, of the Paramount Plus series is Law Men Bass Reeves. I remember when I saw that and I thought, why does it say law men when it's just Bass Reeves? <laughs> so you, you've been very intentional about talking about uh, pointing out the law men. So who are some of the other law men who we're going to see as a part of this series? Well, we're going to see, you know, it's, it's funny when you're making a show, of course, you cannot predict whether it's going to work or not. You said earlier, and you are right in saying it's the most watched show on Paramount Plus globally last year. Um, that is what success looks like. Um, we, we've, we've had these nominations as well. So, you know, for me, the hope, the idea would be to showcase more um, folks at this time who were on and are on the fringes of our knowledge historically when it comes to the West. Uh, I don't need to see White Up. I don't need to see Billy the Kid. I know what that is. I know who that is. I've seen multiple uh, uh, variations of, of that story being told. And so um, it, it's not up to me necessarily, but uh, you know, I am, I am a producer on Law Men, uh, the anthology going forward. And uh, that's certainly where I will be lending my voice is that we, we the, the audience is rewarding us for showing them what they haven't seen within a beloved genre. I'm a big believer in giving us the fresh within the familiar. And so to do more of that would be hopefully the goal. Actor and producer, multiple award nominated <laughs> actor David Oyelowo, <laughs> star of Lawmen, Bass Reeves on Paramount Plus. Thank you so much for coming to Capehart on Washington Post Live. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much.
Thanks for listening to Capehart. It's edited by Nick Roberts. We'll have new episodes for you every Thursday. I'm Jonathan Capehart. You can find me on Twitter at CapehartJ. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.